just talk about it yeah where's the privacy in that i guess yeah. you know yeah um unless uh, like i guess i could see it from like an educational standpoint like say you were teaching very practical like lessons but you don't necessarily talk about what you're doing on your day-to-day practice for example like i may teach people about the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram but i may not be telling them like the specific invocations i'm doing every day you know what i mean yeah for sure. Yeah, there's no need for that. I mean, I'm pretty open with everything because my whole goal is education and I'm not a good educator. So I just feel like I have to just say everything that I think and hope that people latch on to it in some way that's beneficial to them. Um, I, I The one thing I tell people is don't mess around with the Goetia. Like, I'm not saying don't don't use the Goetia, but don't use the Goetia haphazardly. Don't be careless with the Goetia. If you don't know what it is and how to use it, and if you don't know anything about ritual magic, probably don't even touch the book. Yeah. No, that yeah. book in itself holds such a heavy energy to it. You know, it's, it's like you can tell it's like used with caution, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it should have a warning label on it. And it kind of does. It genuinely should. Yeah. It, it kind of does in the first chapter. It depends on which edition you have, but I have the one I have, which I'm not going to pick up <laughs> right now. I, Cause every time I do that and I reach back here and I pull it out and I show it to somebody for like a week afterwards, I'm like, why did I do that? Because there's, there'll be things happening in my house. Um, but anyways, the edition I have has the introduction by Alistair Crowley. And it, he does kind of say like, don't fuck around with this book. Don't be stupid. You know? Um, but I, I imagine that most people read that like, oh, that makes me even more excited. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is that, like you said, very um, haphazardously, like you'll have these people who are just like literally drawing out a sig- sigil and like calling on some ancient ass demon out of nowhere with no like element of protection around them. No real consideration that they're just inviting this thing into their home. Basically, it's it's different when you're consciously like controlling capturing releasing and sort of like doing it in this very strict and controlled manner but these people are just like popping the sigil on a candle and lighting it and saying let's go you know yep it's just yeah um because people don't understand what it is they don't understand they don't understand period right i have friends actually who are like skilled practitioners of magic who don't really understand what it is they're doing but they do they do understand how to do it correctly but they don't really understand what it is they're doing if that makes sense and that's not to say that i do and that my what i believe is correct i'm just pretty sure that it is no i mean you're absolutely right because what a lot of people don't really consider with magic is like it is something outside of you but it's also very much within you so when you're calling on some kind of ancient horrible demon to do something right you're unlocking that part of your mind also that's that's see that right there is exactly what most people don't seem to understand and you cool that you get it a lot of people don't get that they they view the gods and the spirits 
as completely external of us, right? And I think the first thing to truly wrap your mind around in any spiritual practice, no matter what tradition you have, is that the difference between the inside and the outside is not what it seems. It's it's essentially the same. Absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> because it's, you know, because the thing about magic is, especially when people are like, people get fit so fixated on manifesting something, right? Or bringing some kind of change. But what a lot of people I feel like kind of miss is it's alchemical. A lot of the times, like you may have circumstances like come to you sort of mystically, but ultimately yeah. the change is happening inside of you. You take them on. They don't take you on. Exactly. You know what I mean? Um, because again, what you're doing is unlocking certain parts of yourself. So you're going to begin to take on those traits. You're going to be, mm -hmm. able, you're going to begin to think and act in that way. You're really sort of merging yourself, especially if you're doing invocations. That's the whole thing. Yep. Yeah. It's also why, and the, I, I listen, I'm not a conspiracy theorist and I, I say that, but I mean, maybe I am, I don't know. Um, but, you know, actors, Hollywood it's actors. Not it's getting harder not to be. It's true. I, I had the flat earth guy on my show. Uh, I don't think the earth is flat. I think that's fucking ridiculous, but I'm, I'll, I'll talk to anybody, you know, you mind if I smoke? Uh, no, don't go for it. Okay. Anything's fine. Um, you know, Hollywood actors who use method acting, they're not invoking spirits per se, but they're invoking archetypes and, and made up, thought forms, characters, essentially. And they're invoking these characters all the time. They lose their own personalities. They're, they're like, I don't know. Um, I think this is why so many Hollywood actors have such severe emotional problems is because they're not themselves. They're constantly well, you know, pretending to be someone else. <laughs> I think you're right. I mean, because it's sort of, you know, a lot of them will talk about how they have multiple personalities that they will take on. Yes. And, that comes with an understanding of magic. It's it's sort of like method acting, even when you that's begin what, to just like act acting. like the, the character in everyday life, yeah. right? Because you method are acting is something. invocation. It's not ritual invocation, but it's invocation. If I'm if I'm trying to act like uh, Tarzan and I'm using method acting, I'm invoking Tarzan. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing is, there's so many different ways to to do this. I feel like most people um practice magic unconsciously because yes. even before i had become aware of magic and really started seriously researching it and stuff i found that this was stuff that i was doing naturally which is why i'm so big on it being the inherent creative spark within us because everybody does this but you know with more or less control or awareness yes so one of the lessons that i teach in my school and it's one of the big ones uh, is that the difference between the fool and the magician is that the fool believes that he's reacting to the outside world. And the magician has gained an understanding of magic, simply understands that the outside world is a reflection of his inner world. Absolutely. Um, well, and it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Because, you know, in the story of um, initiation in relation to the tarot that, you know, the fool is leaving behind everything he knows. He's like, you know, forget this village you guys are full of shit. I'm doing my own thing. I'm going for it. And then through whatever process of understanding, he becomes the magician. Right. But even yes. then he, it, it, it entails going into the underworld because now that he understands that the world is a reflection of himself, you know, he goes to the high priestess to explore the depths of himself and understand what it is he even wants to create. 
Yes. Yeah. And and the magician. So to me, the way that I like to view the major arcana is through the lens of the hero's journey. And the magician is the first step. And the reason the magician is the first step. And what's interesting about that is, is it's a step most people never take is that first step. Right. They remain the fool their entire lives. But you take Absolutely. that first step and you become the magician. And I remember feeling that way. The first time I drew the first tarot card from my first deck, I'm like, I'm a wizard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's, no, totally. but that's the energy of the magician card and of its corresponding life path, right? Like life path one, these people, and I'm a life path one, get very, very excited very quickly and they dive right into something. It's almost like having ADHD, but that doesn't, the magician isn't the master of magic. He's, he just gained the understanding. Recently. Yeah, he's um <laughs> he's he's still a child in a lot of ways, right? Or he's yeah. like early in his grade, or however you want to put it. Yeah, um, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I love that archetype of the fool's journey, and it's interesting. You know, something I contemplate often actually is how the fool is number zero. So I actually think of the fool as the first card because it's pre-birth. It's before the right. magician is even born. And also, you know, after the end of the whole cycle, of course, the journey starts again. So it's sort of this conscious, it's like the in-between of life and death even. Yeah, it's the zero point, right? It's like, it's it's purgatory. And I, I do think that that is why it's numbered zero. And that's that's really a great insight. So many people boggle themselves with this i've seen so many decks try to reconcile numerology with the tarot which it, it already is reconciled right they just don't like the number zero they really dislike it for whatever reason and because 22 is a master number they want it to be numbered one through 22 right but that's silly because 22 is the master builder so the way i've always looked at it is that you are 22 that's you that's the reader ah interesting I love that, right. you if, know, and if you go through the process correctly, if you make it all the way through, right, then you are the result. Well, and, you know, it's funny because where the fool is zero and you talk about 22 being the master builder, I feel like no one is ever truly a master unless they're beyond this reality at all. And the yeah. tarot is a reality in itself. So you're sort of playing God, the master builder, because mm -hmm. you're the one forming that story. It's a whole yeah. universe in itself, which is fascinating. I mean, that's that I've never thought about that before, but that's really cool. It's the major arcana is the whole tarot. Okay. So like I do a lot of things. Um, and I think most people don't even know. I don't know. I don't know if anybody even listens to the show, man. Um <laughs> that's not true. I know, I know I have a, a like 2000 something subscribers and a bunch more on Spotify, and like it it that boggles my mind. My I, partner I heard this I show. Told, I told her I was going to be on, and she's like, "Oh, I know that show." <laughs> oh, okay, that's weird. Um, it's weird to me, uh, but I'm I'm super grateful for it. I love doing this, but I started it because I missed having conversations with my brother, who, um, who, and I still have conversations with him. But we're both very busy. We both have a pile of kids, uh, and he is Christian, and I am pagan, and it's hard to. It's not impossible, but it's hard to have conversations sometimes unless we're talking about quantum physics. Then we're like, yeah, let's talk about this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And my my other closest friend who I used to have these conversations with also now has a pile of kids and is very busy. So I started this show for two reasons. One, selfishly, because I want to talk to people about this stuff. I, it's just That's it the helps best me. Ideas, learn. You know? 
Yeah. And two, because I want, when I learned to read tarot and when I learned astrology, those two things specifically improved my mental health by, I don't know, 50 points at least. Right. Um, I had already been practicing magic since I was 15, but I was practicing magic straight out of the satanic Bible. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm still a fan of that book. It's just that it's atheistic magic and I'm, yeah. I'm not an atheist. I, you know, I didn't, I did not have a true spiritual awakening until my thirties. No, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I started off doing magic, um, when I was about 13, you know, so I'm right there with you. Like with like the first ritual I ever did was out of that book, the Necronomicon. You remember that like back in the nineties? Um, yeah. And then, um, yeah, I, I actually own a copy of the Satanic Bible. And, you know, I agree. It's, it's a very interesting work, but it doesn't resonate with me because I'm not an atheist. Um, I'm also not a Satanist. But even when I was interested in Satanism, I was taking a more theistic approach. Um, yes. You know, and so but it's interesting because after all of that, because I really fucked my life up with that, you know, a lot of people I mean, and a lot of these people who are just sort of like care to the wind, like calling on the Goetia and stuff like we are talking about, they're going to experience the same kind of nightmare. Hopefully they make it out. And yep. it's funny. I actually got invited to um, a sweat lodge, a Lakota sweat lodge. And I did that for about eight years of my life. I was a fire tender. I went on a vision quest and all that. And that sort of redirected my spirituality. That's not my practice today, but it was a good eight years of my life before um, I even became grounded enough from those ceremonies and everything to even have sort of a healthy relationship with the divine again, because another key note about me when I was a kid, you know, I was a heroin addict. So, you know, and it's been several, several years since I've done anything like that. It's not an issue anymore. But um, when you're, you know, a 17 year old heroin addict and you're fucking around with demons, it's probably not going to end well. You know what I mean? So um, I had to go through this whole process of death and rebirth, the fool's journey, if you will, to come mm -hmm. out at the end of those eight years of the Lakota ceremonies and all that to become my own magician and understand, you know, my relationship with the divine and what it is and what it isn't. And then begin this whole other journey of very much diving into like ceremonial magic, high magic. And that's, you know, my bread and butter to this day. Um, and it's actually interesting because you mentioned how your brother is a Christian. I consider myself a Christian if I'm subscribing to a religion. I mm -hmm. just don't really view it as most people do. Yeah. And okay. So I don't listen. Uh, I love you. I'm talking to my brother right now. I'm not going to say his name. Um, and I don't, <laughs> I don't, if you listen to this, I want you to know that I love you. And I'm not saying any of these things in any way negative against you i'm just telling the story of my life and how it relates to you okay so chill <laughs> uh, he's your you brother know, he'll get it he, he's my brother he'll get it um you know he became christian later in his life and before that neither of us had had anything to do with religion period our father was of the opinion that religion was for idiots and that it you know hurt did more harm than good and i you know that's what i was raised to believe and i believed it uh, for a long time. But when my father passed away, I was 12 and nothing could, uh, nothing could make me feel better. Nothing, nothing helped. Um, and so in a way I'll say how Christianity helped me is that a friend of mine said, okay, nothing is helping you. Nothing's helping. You got to come to church with me. And I was inconsolable 13 year old kid 
And I said, all right, fine, whatever. I'll go to church with you, right? And then uh, went to church and had a talk with the person leading the service who was an asshole. And I explained to him, my father passed away thinking that all this was bullshit. And what does that mean? And he essentially said to me, well, you know, that means that your father didn't go to heaven. And I kind of blacked out. And I don't know if I pushed him or if I punched him, but I, I left immediately and I went down to downtown Santa Cruz and uh, and picked up a copy of the Satanic Bible. And what was crazy was I didn't go there to like, oh, I'm going to go buy this book. I just went downtown to go hang out with my friends, found out none of my friends were down there, walked past the bookstore and felt like uncontrollably pulled in and to the word metaphysics, which I didn't I didn't know what it meant. And to that section, and then there, sitting there, was this book. And this is like the 15th copy of it that I've owned in my lifetime. Um, but it it got me on, it started me on the path of magic. It didn't start me on a path of being a shit person or Satanism. I mean, maybe I was already kind of there. I was angry. But it it introduced me to magic. And then I I tried it, and I did some magic, and it worked. And it worked so well that I could not rationalize it other than magic works. And I never, never looked backwards from there. And again, like this isn't, I'm no longer a member of the church. I, you know, when I recommend this book to people nowadays, they say, listen, there's going to be some things in this book that will help you a lot, but there's some things in this book that you'll probably know better when you get to it. You know, the chapter on glorification of the ego doesn't resonate with me. It, It did when I was a kid and I was struggling and I had no confidence, you know, and, and so to people who are in that struggle, maybe it would help them. But well, I mean, that's sort of is the, not the smartest part of you. <laughs> I get my thought on that is a couple of things, right? Um, for one, you being drawn to those metaphysics and even finding that book, that's God right there. You know, it, I am the darkness and the light. I do all these things, you know. Um, and, you know, even though it's maybe like the satanic Bible and it's atheist, it started you on this journey of finding higher understanding. And two, you know, part of the reason I think that Anton LaVey would be so successful, especially in a pop culture sense, is, I mean, that's the kind of people it appeals to. People who are young, who are frustrated, who feel yeah. like they have no power. It's and that's the bread and butter book. forming a religion. Yeah, it is. And he's a very charismatic dude. He knew what he was doing. No, you he, know. He, I he knew what he was saying. As an artist. I love him as an artist, yeah. you know. Um mm-hmm. I think that he, on his deathbed, if I'm not mistaken, he said that he had made a mistake. Um, I don't know if that's true, but I remember reading that somewhere. I don't know if it's true either. And it's funny because I had Carl Abrahamson on the show, who's, you know, one of the higher ups at the church currently. And I didn't really ask him about that. Um, I, I wonder if he was there. But I will tell you that having read that book cover to cover at least 20 times, I don't believe that he was an atheist. I believe he How had a different he understanding. Yeah. I think he had a different understanding of what God and what spirit are, and he rationalized it. But see, here's the thing, and I've told people this a million times, right? If you, and so many magicians do this, and I did this for a couple of years as well. If you try to rationalize and take magic and put it into an entirely left-brained, physics-related, logical box, you will drive yourself insane. There is a mystic element to it that you cannot... Even if even if you're a master of quantum physics, you're not going to thoroughly understand this or explain it. But Anton LaVey came closer than anyone else ever did. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess I would say I'm not informed enough to really agree with that or not agree with it. You know what I'm saying? 
Um, as far as LeVay, Anton LaVey goes, I um, would consider myself Christian. I also have no qualms with Satanists. I get along with everyone. You know, and I think that one of the greatest poisons we face is the way that Christianity is taught today, because it is the way that it is taught today that sends you straight to the satanic Bible. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So it's like, yeah. um, and also our understanding of what the devil is, is a whole misunderstood concept. I mean, oh, the, the devil is the principle of misuse. I mean, and it's yes. completely separate from Satan or Lucifer. It's yeah. it's within us. Yeah. Yeah, there's so there's if we're talking about dimensions, and when I say dimensions, I'm talk, talking about higher planes of existence, but like left to right, up down. It's very easy to confuse dark and light, which I would consider left to right, with good and evil, which I would consider up and down. A lot of people get them conflated that dark means evil and light means good, and they don't see that there's different dimensions happening here, right? Um, what entities you work with doesn't matter if you're a good person. If you're a good person, fucking matters though matters to me because i don't want shitty people in my life <laughs> absolutely i mean that's where it comes to you know um i was just reading a book uh magic by manly p hall and he goes into that mm. you know in the principle of misuse and the, the energy the cold chill of saturn satan or the flaming fire of uh lucifer venus or mars however you look at it um and it's it's sort of it comes down to our you know moral fiber and our you know reasons for channeling these things or our or our complete ignorance because our ignorance to it is also our own fault you know what i mean that's why a lot of these things sort of get channeled and can really ruin your life yes they can so i have a story about that too um my closest and oldest friend who i hope to drag on to this show one day uh, I made a big mistake with him because he he's um a lifelong Buddhist. And when I got really involved in magic, he was struggling with his life. And I was always trying to help him. And I would say, try this, try this. You know, I'm doing this thing. I'm exploring this side of esotericism. And maybe it would help you too. And his name is, he has a biblical name, by the way. And I should have figured this out. Um, But I, I suggested to him, first of all, I suggested to him, you know, buying a copy of the Goetia. This is many years ago, and I apologized to him uh, because just because it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> just because we're like, because he, he's an intellectual. Like he wants to. Well, he's he's the smartest person I've ever met in my life. He's a certified genius, and I thought he would just be fascinated by it. And I also suggested to him uh, trying working with the Norse gods, and that's who I work with. And both of these things just tripped him up, you know, and I should have known all along he should be doing ceremonial, ritual, Solomonic magic. That's his heritage. That's who he is as a person. That's the kind of, of energy he embodies. And when he finally kind of got on that path, things started to get better for him. And it, it resonated and it felt better, you know. But to me, see, you couldn't get me to do the lesser best banishing ritual of the pentagram for a thousand dollars. I ain't singing. It's not happening. Okay, it's just not who I am. I'm not gonna do it. I am a chaos magician with like a a leaning, a strong leaning into Norse paganism, <laughs> and that's where I'm at magically. But everyone's at where they're at, right? And so I don't want to say this as if it's truth. I want to say that this is what I believe and you don't, nobody has to believe what I believe, but I believe that people on earth, there's not one correct religion because everybody is attached to a different level of spirit or a different spirit or a different entity, a different God there. 
an incarnation or of a fractal of that God. And there's, so there's not one correct God for everybody. Absolutely. I mean, I always say it like this, every religion, every practice, we're all heading to the same place. It's like, choose your aesthetic. Do you want a monk's stick yep. or do you want a sword? Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, people ask me about my, my tattoo all the time. And that's exactly what it's about. It's about to be an expression of God or a, you know, um, a part of yet separate from, you know what I mean? And it, it's like you said, it, we all are really the same consciousness you know it was put to me in a in a way that really stood out and it's it's as if uh as an ocean right and mm -hmm. one wave will stand out and it even appears to be separate from the entire ocean but it reveals itself with its crash because it returns back to the body of consciousness so yes. we're basically a wave of that one massive consciousness totally and i think it's excruciatingly arrogant to believe that we as humans could even understand that ocean. We can understand the waves. We can look at the waves, we can analyze the waves, and we can be very in tune with the waves. But I think, so God, right, not the universe, the multiverse, is not something we can put into words. The So the way that it's written is perfect in the um, in the Emerald Tablets of Thoth. It says the, the highest knowledge transcends all words all symbols all sounds you can't say it you can't draw it you can't even think it it's unknowable absolutely it, it is and that's um you know that's that was the biggest understanding for me because even when i say like i'm a christian right really that's just the symbolism and the story that fits me both because that story of the cruce of the crucifixion the story of the resurrection it all can tie to the sun and it can all be found in all kinds of religions so again yes. it's like choose your aesthetic you know yeah. what i mean it's like and and what feels right because like you said when your friend got on a solomonic path right that felt right and things start going better because it was attuned to like him as a person yeah yeah, exactly. But it's still the same thing. It's still the it's all. Still, yeah. It's still the, co yes. you know, the cosmic consciousness or whatever. Yeah, it just takes different forms. And we 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 see things through the filters of our own minds right? and our own being and our own. If you, again, like I'm very wary on the show about saying anything as if it's truth because I'm a chaos magician. And our first axiom is nothing is true. Everything is permitted. Right. Absolutely. So nothing's true to me. And, I'm, and I don't know shit about shit. I don't know anything at all. And yet I run a school, <laughs> but this no. is one of the things I tell people in my school is I don't know anything. If you Dude, me too. That's me, the like, first thing I me. say is like, I am not a master. You know, anybody yeah, who's no. like a master of this stuff, they're not on the internet talking about that, it. That's a, have no idea yeah. who they are. And if they are, they're a cult leader and they're a fraud. Right. And yeah. In my opinion, anyone who's out there saying like, I know the one and only secret truth. That's a either an aspiring cult leader or a successful cult leader. Well, I mean, that's, you know, there's a Kabbalistic saying, you know, uh, he who says he knows doesn't know. And those yeah. who know don't say anything at all. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I know that I don't know, but I try to help people know themselves a little bit better. Absolutely. I mean, that's where I'm at with it, because what I can do is, you know, lend my experiences and the research and the practice and everything that I've accumulated thus far to help someone who is just behind you know what i mean it's like yeah there will be something to gain from yeah i mean because otherwise it's you know why share anything at all right i mean why yeah. write anything 
um, or teach anything because it's like, no, you know, there will always be more to learn for the teacher and the student. I don't even consider myself a teacher really. Um, but you know, more of a tutor or guide. So, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. Yeah. Um, you just, but you know, I, we I are what we agree. are. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I do this school and I'm really passionate about it. And I just, I figure I've, I've done so much research. I've driven myself crazy over it for a couple of years. And the more that I talk to people about it, the more I started to realize that they're benefiting from it. So, okay. Now I, now I started to really enjoy teaching. And so that's what I'm going to do. But again, like I don't claim to be a master of anything. I just think this shit's cool and I want to share it. That's really all there is to it for me. Well, and that's the approach that I really took with it. Um, you know, I do a live stream on my Patreon, which I would consider sort of a class. I But we right now we're sort of going through different books and just discussing as we go. Um, mm. And, you know, I actually found that I don't have a massive desire to be a teacher. You know, I like working with people one on one in some ways uh, or teaching magic. But, you know, I'm very creative. So I, I like to. Mm, present information and you know whatever little wisdom I may have in more of a theatric or creative form hence why I got into doing like tarot readings and the tarot channel because mm -hmm. also I felt like that whole world was maybe sort of lacking the element that I could bring to it because there's so many like cutesy tarot readers and so many new age tarot readers that yeah you know maybe I would add something different to it and I could express things in a different way and I do like teaching, but again, I, I never really considered myself a teacher just because I don't know. It just, it wasn't what I sought out to do. Although, you know, I guess you would say I, I passively teach or I may take on um, students one-on-one. -on -one. I do have like the option for that, for, like mentorship and stuff, mm -hmm. but on a mass scale, I don't know, because when you're a teacher, people put such high expectations on you and really yeah. unfair assumptions on you a lot of times and really unfair expectations of you. And then you get people who are, you know, especially on the internet, you get people who are maybe mentally ill or people who have different motives for wanting to connect with you than they say initially, which I've dealt yeah. with a lot. Um, I've dealt with that a very little bit, but it was very, I didn't like it. You know, I've, I've had a couple clients or students who I've said, you know, listen, I don't mean any offense by this, but I can't help you. You need to seek therapy. You need to seek a psychiatrist. And then I've, I've again, I've had people roll through also who like, just, they think that I'm going to teach them how to set shit on fire with their fingers. And I'm like, this, this is not what we do here. <laughs> well, absolutely. It's, um, you know, that, and I, what I honestly find, and maybe this is a thing with the Terra community, but I find that there's a lot of people who are just lonely. And they're yeah. looking to even like make friends with or, or you know, but there's a certain boundary you got to keep with that. And people can be very pushy or um, yes. not understand when you're not trying to be best friends or, or whatever. Um, yeah. You know, and so that's like because then I end up feeling like an asshole, too. And it's like, well, I'm not trying to. It's just I have a life. I don't have any room for this person that I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. And you're and not so helping them really if you, interesting thing. you're not helping anybody if you foster or encourage that kind of codependence or that, you know, like the, the one of the primary lessons of magic is like, do it on your own. Absolutely. You're, you're doing this on your own. <laughs> 
you know, yeah, and no, people, I mean, no, especially that, because, especially through self-initiation, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you could take a fraternal route, you know what I'm saying? But especially in the realm of self-initiation, which is what I talk about, because I mean, that's what I am in a lot of ways, you know, um, that it's, it's on you to do the work and no, no key, you know, a lot of people think of magic as if some, you know, it, it's actually a pet peeve of mine when say, when, when did you realize you were gifted? I wasn't, I didn't realize I was gifted. I did the work to yep. receive said insight or gifts or whatever. People yep. think that something is just going to be bestowed on them because they're special and it's just never going to happen. That's not how it works. Everybody can do this. Absolutely. Anybody can do this and you can learn how you just have to do the work. It's right? just a matter of putting in the work and it's a lot of work. It's a lot, you know, because in a lot of ways, you know, magic is for the have nots people. Again, people who feel frustrated or powerless, they turn to magic. Right. Um, and so they, a lot of people, unfortunately, are trying to find something for nothing. They're looking for an easy solution. And magic is anything but that. I mean, yeah. again, it's this whole <laughs> alchemical process of changing who you are. Yeah. Because ultimately, we're our own problem. Yeah. And people don't want to face that either. So magic is never a solution to, you know, you have all these problems and you, okay, you feel like a victim and you have this terrible attitude. Magic's not going to help you at all. It'll no, help you it's change gonna that about yourself. Probably. Yeah. But it can help you completely change all of those things about yourself until you become a person who is positive and radiates positive energy and is confident and has developed your willpower. And then you are a walking magic machine. But you you are either way. It's just that you are you are you manifesting synchronicity that's positive into your life, or are you manifesting synchronicity that's negative into your life? There's not much in between ground. You're you're manifesting no matter what, because that's what we do. That's what humans do. We manifest. So it's like, are you manifesting intentionally good things into your life, or are you manifesting haphazardly awful things into your life? Absolutely. I mean, that's the way I view even ritual magic, right? Because, you know, I do, I am a big fan of like the less branching ritual, the pentagram invocation of, and, you know, and like I said, when you get into like invoking and stuff, um, you know, that's what you're doing is you're, it's basically a method to help you realize what you are. It's like a machine that's been sitting there forever, like 20,000 years and you finally turn it on. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and then it starts functioning properly. But, you know, most people and, and you know, that's the thing is um, wanting to sort of step the foundations of internal work, which is really where it is, you know, because you can't just jump straight into like creating the life of your dreams if there's no means to do that. Like, say someone wanted to create, you know, like manifest a million dollars, but they work at Target. You're probably not going to do that at Target. You have to come up with some kind of idea that can even produce that amount of money. You're going to have to do all the labor to work towards that. If that means going to college and figuring that out, you're going to probably have to go through all that. You know what I mean? Um, Or, you know, start a channel or do whatever or what, you know, but it's all a matter of what is going to be shown to you and the work you're going to do within yourself and even coming to a place where you feel at peace with yourself and have clarity to know what you want. Cause most people don't even really know what they want. Yes. Then that's a big step, right? So magic isn't a shortcut. Magic actually adds a step. 
you can you still it have really to do does. everything you would still do to become a millionaire you still have to do all those things matt you do magic on top of all that but what you get out of doing magic hopefully is the inspiration to keep going to push yeah through. i mean that's because that's really what it's about right it, i mean yeah. it's not even a, you know it, everybody talks about show us miracles and stuff, but it's not really even about that it's about transcending to higher understandings to awakening that self within your you know everything within yourself like you were just saying because you know it's all within you it's just becoming aware of it really yeah becoming aware and i will say that when you become aware like that when you when you start to notice that the world is just made out of magic and that's all there really is and you're attuned to it then things that seem miraculous can and will happen absolutely no i mean i've had just insane things come out of nowhere for sure. That's very true. I mean, because the, you know, like you said, it's that magician, you are the mirror of the world. It will start to work with you because the more conscious you become, the more aware you become, the more you start to feel like your true self and how we should be feeling and operating. Yeah. And that's the thing is like that stuff is so beaten out of us as people, yeah. you know, with the mundanity of life, with the pressures of life and no one really, um, you know, we're not geared to, to wake those. We're not like, um, I should say herded towards that. We're herded no, towards the exact opposite. Yes. We're herded towards being depressed. Absolutely. Like, and, and even, depressed, even, tired, the, um, even if you're a, a person of science, let's say you're, uh, an, you know, an educated atheist and you're like the idea of spirit and God, that's just silly. Well, the idea that you don't matter and that the universe is an accident and that it's just a coincidence that any of this happened, there's no meaning to any of it. That's deeply depressing. Truly. True. I mean, so how, that, how, how are you going to feel inspired in that belief system? <laughs> yeah. Whether yes, they believe depressing. it or not. Totally. Um, you know, so and in a lot of ways, it's like, you know, that's... Um, and I, you know, I'm not going to say like I'm an ex expert on Buddhism, but Buddhism almost like sort of resembles that to me. Buddhism is kind of dark in a lot of ways. It is. Yeah. Um, um, I'm a big fan of Zen Buddhism because Zen Buddhism has this incorporates this element of humor to it, and to like the so what what's known as um, lesser vehicle Buddhism is the strict. You know, everything's got to be exactly this way. You're going to take 15 lifetimes to achieve uh, any kind of Buddhahood or enlightenment. And you have to live exactly this specific way. And then there's greater ritual Bo uh, Buddhism, or, sorry, greater vehicle Buddhism, which is a little less um, strict, a little more accessible to people. And then there's Zen Buddhism. This is like, this shit's funny. <laughs> and, it, yeah. and like, it makes you laugh. And, and in that laughter, you can have, like real insights into the nature of reality and of being. And so I'm a big fan of Zen Buddhism. And I guess the difference between Zen Buddhism and, and traditional Buddhism. And, you know, if you're a Buddhist and you want to correct me in the comments, feel free. Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but me either, <laughs> it seems like the, the big difference. Yeah. The big difference to me is it seems like with traditional Chinese Buddhism, it's life is suffering. And with, Japanese Zen Buddhism, Buddhism, it's life is meaningless. Well, I mean, <laughs> yes, like, and that's what I mean. And like that, and there's, there's value in that, but at the same time, it's like, God, how yes. can you look at things like that? You know? Yeah. Um, and I mean, that, I guess that's sort of what I, that was the correlation to me is like, 
you know, for me to, to view life that way of like, it would be devastating. Yeah. Well, I will say that because I'm pretty close with several Buddhist people and, uh, and I have a, a real interest in Zen when, when we say life is suffering, the, the real point is that you can't experience joy without suffering. And so life is suffering. Because without suffering, you can't experience joy. But they need to fucking say that part because <laughs> a lot of people don't yeah. understand it. <laughs> I mean, and yeah, that makes. I mean, because again, I'm taking a total layman's. I don't. I don't know. I've not researched, but it's just my general understanding of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, with Zen Buddhism, where they say life is meaningless, life is meaningless. It's true, except for the meaning that you ascribe to it. So, so ascribe meaning to your life. Make your life meaningful to you. I guess in a lot of ways I agree with that because I mean, that's sort of what we were talking about before is like, we're all getting to the same place. It's just choose your aesthetic, choose your value, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what chaos magic is all about too. And it's why it was always attractive to me. It's like, there's no one correct belief system. It's a choose your own adventure book. Just, you know, ascribe whatever meaning works for you and then go for it. And I've seen, you know, I have friends who practice Wicca who get results. I have friends who practice Solomonic magic and get results. I practice chaos magic and I get results. So clearly, right, there's something underneath all of that, right? Just like there's not a correct language. English isn't the correct language. We could be doing this in Spanish, right? These different belief systems are just languages. But metaphysics, spirit, magic is, is like the concept of language, Absolutely. Which is not something yeah. you can describe. That's what it comes down to is a way of expressing something, a way of moving it that, yeah. you know, feels right to you. Because it's like, you know, because even with that understanding, I I know that I have a tendency to stick to a specific tradition of doing things because it's what deeply resonated with me. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like, for whatever reason, this path feels right to me where this path feels right to you or them or whoever. Um, but you're absolutely right. It, it, you know, it, it all comes down to that underlying, you know, consciousness that, that, that is thing you can't describe that. Absolutely. That whatever that ineffable indescribable thing that is the, the foundation of everything. You know, the, it's the blank canvas on which life is created, right? But without without a canvas, you can't paint shit. Like magic is the canvas. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It's so, like what paint do you like? You know, yeah. Um, exactly. And that's the thing is like, I really feel like that's the message I always really want to get across is that you know the creativity of life is within you you can weave magic into every single thing you do with how you move how you dress I mean how how you dress is how you present to people there is intention in it it is building a form you know um what you eat well all of the all of these things are conscious choices you know they I mean in the, in the- you know, if you understand the the hermetic principle of correspondence, as above, so below, and as within, so without, the way you dress yourself, the way you present yourself, what you eat, all of these things, everything that it seems exterior to you is actually interior, and what you think of as interior is exterior, and there's no real difference. And so everything you do, like like literally, from my point of view, there's nothing but magic. That's all there is. 
Well, yeah, because we're, you know, even the, the body, right? What are we? We're a collective of like cells forming something that functions, but they're all independent consciousnesses of their own. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's an express, our body is literally an expression of the entire universe. Yeah. I mean, everything is same with the clothes, same with the table. So, you know, it's, it's all formed from living organisms. Yeah. And atoms. Right. And, and I, atoms, I would yeah. I mean, want to say is that atoms could be conscious. Yeah. yeah. And those atoms are farther, like the, the space between those atoms is greater than the mass of the atom. It, like, you're, you're this is, it's it, everything is nothing. <laughs> the yeah. entire universe is made mostly out of empty space. Everything is nothing. The inside is the outside. The outside is the inside. Nothing makes sense. And it's all just ridiculous, but it's magic. It's magically ridiculous. And that's <laughs> that's essentially what the universe is to me. But you can you can work with it. And that's the point. Is that Absolutely. you're here now. You're you're here. You're at least having this experience. And part of this experience, if you're lucky, is the realization that you can shape the events around your life based on something that we call magic and however you choose to do it. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we're like the vaguest answer anybody's ever given about anything. That's the thing though, is there is no specific answer, you know? Yeah. I mean, it it really does come down to translating what you experience. I mean, let your results be your proof. Yeah. Yeah. It's really true. Okay, so we're like halfway through the episode and I haven't done your introduction yet. So let me go ahead and do that. Oh. Uh, welcome back to the Order of Chaos podcast. Uh, I've got a very special guest today. This is Daniel Adkins, also known as Southern Goth, who is one of the most, in my opinion, talented and sincere tarot readers on YouTube. So welcome right, to the you. show. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it's thanks for being here. Very much a pleasure to be here. I, I really appreciate <laughs> you reaching out. I was looking forward to doing it. I'm glad we got it going. Yeah, yeah, that was. It's man, scheduling is difficult. It is. Scheduling no, I podcasts understand. Is I I do that all. You know, I am forever battling with my scheduling. Yeah, same. Uh, and this Venus retrograde is not helping. It's no. totally kicking my ass. I used to think retrogrades were. You know, people would talk about oh, the Mercury retrograde. I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. It's not that big. Of a deal. No, it's a big deal. It really, really makes a difference does yeah but it's not um so a retrograde in my opinion it's not this oh no time oh no things happen but it's like the tower card a retrograde is a tower card just in a specific area of your life right so if it's venus in retrograde then we're talking about your relationships your love life and your money if it's mercury retrograde we're talking about your thinking technology and communication and so on and so forth right but a retrograde what it really is just like the tower card is it's an opportunity for you to see what's not working in your life and to put to realign, right? So it shoves everything that's not working in your life. It shoves that in your face, which sucks. Absolutely. It, it, to me, it's all about cycles because that's what I find with retrogrades is I, I you know, find myself in similar bes- positions that I've been in, you know, the people returning, the mistakes made, the complications mm-hmm. here that I could have prevented by doing this or this or whatever. It, it just sort of, exposes everything um yeah and you're right it's absolutely it's a it's a it's basically giving you your crumbling foundation to repair mm-hmm. it's also you could think of it as a final exam in a lot of ways 
Same thing again with the tower card. It could, it's like a final exam. If you, so let's say you've repeated the same toxic relationship pattern your last 15 years of your life. You go through a different partner every six months and every partner is the same partner in some way. Eventually the universe is going to say, okay, we're just going to one more try. Can you get this right? And they'll give you the most toxic fucking imaginable partner and it'll happen during a retrograde. And it's like, are you going to get it this time? Are you going to get it? I've felt that so many times. It's like, okay, are you going to do this again? You know, because Mm -hmm. at a a certain point, like you said, especially after so many times, it it becomes very glaring. It almost feels humorous. Yes. Yeah, Um, it is. It is humorous. In fact, one of my, this is one of my favorite stories, and I've told it on this show probably too many times, but the last time I ingested a large quantity of mushrooms, I all I remember of that evening is having this conversation with Shiva in which the only part of the conversation I remember was, it's all a joke. God just wants you to laugh. And that's it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's true in a lot of ways because, I mean, the most powerful sensations we can experience are joy or love or, you know, I mean, those are what really awakens everything. And nobody got anywhere from just suffering, but, you know, in, and just really leaning into that and not trying to enjoy your life. I mean, what would be the point? You know, I mean, that's, you know, sort of a hellscape we create for ourselves, which again, we're sort of herded to, and we're sort of like geared to find ourselves in where it can be, Almost because I found myself literally so stressed before by, you know, physical circumstances or whatever the the case may be that, you know, even though I consciously know if I experience the emotion, it's going to radiate. But it's almost impossible to even experience the emotion, which I guess is sort of the the test in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, we can look at life as a school. It's how to create heaven on earth. Right um or how to create heaven within ourselves but some people don't want that you know and maybe they don't know that they want it but so i used to be and i still am like i really i was really big on horror movies when i was a kid and i realized though that some some of these movies like man these give me like they give me nightmares they're they're messing with my my inner vision they're messing with my everything about me and i started to ponder like why do people enjoy horror movies it's the same reason people enjoy drama and toxic relationships and war and all these awful things. Like we have to acknowledge that people enjoy this stuff that they wouldn't exist if there wasn't a certain level of subconscious enjoyment people were getting out of it, you know? And that's not to say, listen, I'm not one of those people that thinks that you manifest absolutely everything into your life. There's an element of chaos to this. There's the collective consciousness. There is evil in the world. That's an absolute fact in my opinion, you know, and it's, it's not like if terrible things have happened to you that like, Oh, you chose that consciously, but there is for sure the question, why do we go to horror movies? Why do we repeat toxic relationship patterns? Why do we, you know, why, if you absolutely fucking hate your job and it's miserable, why don't you quit tomorrow? Why, why don't you? Right. And I think there's fear and there's all these strong emotions, but those emotions, we go to the movie, go to the horror movies to be afraid. Why do we do that? Well, yeah, because I I guess you, you become so familiar with it. It becomes um, relieving in itself. And I mean, I can relate with the metaphor of the horror movies a lot because, you know, I mean, I still enjoy horror from time to time, but there was a time where I was absolutely obsessed with horror. It's like all I digested and, you know, 
that tied in with um you know magic and addiction and just like a generally dark perspective i became very paranoid i became you know mm -hmm. it, it all kind of combines into this cancer that we put into ourselves yeah this very dark consciousness that's you know fear-based um but we get a level of entertainment from that fear and again Absolutely. i'm only saying this having done it to myself for decades I'm only saying it like to be honest. I'm not saying that it's funny. Um, for me, I I know that the moment I stopped, and again, I didn't have to stop watching horror movies. I still enjoy them, but the moment I stopped being attracted to horror as a concept was the moment I became became a father. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want bad things to happen to my kid. What like. And now, and now I, I can't even watch a cartoon where a kid gets hurt. I'm like, I, 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 I no, the same way. I'm the same way. Like it, you know, it, whether it's like a murder documentary, whether it's a horror movie, whether it's a car, whether it is like, I do not want to see a child being harmed or even like yeah. that concept to me is just so repulsive where, you know, in my younger days, it probably wouldn't have faced me at all. But, you yeah. know, after having a kid, it's like that concept to me you know, it, it, it brings up such an emotion that like, I can't even bear to look at that. So for me, it's the, the nightmare in Elm street movies, which used to be my favorite because mm -hmm. I related to the kids in the movie, but now I'm a dad and I'm like, I can't watch this. I can't, <laughs> I can't even No, no, I can't. Um, it's, it's truly horrifying to me now. So, you know, we grow up and hopefully we get over being entertained by fear and horror. And so we stop manifesting so much of it into our lives. And, and again, so nobody misunderstands. I'm not saying that if you watch horror movies, you're a bad person or that you're going to manifest bad things in your life. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I'm using it as a metaphor for why we're attracted to fear and pain, because that's something well, that humans are attracted to. And a lot of that stuff, you know, I mean, because when we bring it back to magic, like, right, for example, I used to be really, really into um, depressive black metal. And again, this isn't like a slight against anybody yeah, who too. said that, but a lot of that stuff is literally intentionally made to harm you. It is. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Um, yes, I know. So, and, and it's like, I could just go to sleep listening to that. No problem. Yeah. Just letting all kinds of unfathomable horrors into my subconscious. And I found it like a lullaby. Yep. Yeah, dude, me and too. I was in more death metal bands than I could fucking name. Um, but I can't listen to it now. In fact... Like, I still like heavy music, but so one thing I think that you'll learn, I'm about to go on a whole other tangent. Everybody hold on to your butts. Okay. <laughs> but one thing they'll learn if you really study magic is that all music is magic and it's powerful magic. All music, all music is a spell. Every song every ever written is a spell. Okay. Whether they meant it to be or not, music is a spell. And this is why traditionally spells rhyme because it gets stuck in your head. And if it gets stuck in your head, it gets buried in your subconscious. And if it gets buried in your subconscious, then you will manifest it. Mm. Right. So be careful about what you listen to because I grew up listening to Metallica and Pantera and Anthrax and I love that shit. And then I moved on to like really serious death metal and black metal. And I was, and is it, is it a coincidence that I was a deeply depressed person? I don't think so. No, I don't. I was an angry, depressed person listening to angry, depressed music. And you think, well, I'm listening to angry, depressed music because I'm an angry, depressed person. No, there's an element of that to it. But you're you're infusing more and more. Of it's it self-perpetuating. Yes. Yeah. In a big way. Yeah. Right? It's like. And, go ahead. 
No, 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 no. <laughs> I rant, man. Go, go for it. No, no. I mean, well, that's the thing is like, it's a conscious string of, you know, it's um, whatever made that appealing to you. It, that starts you down a whole path. Right. And a lot of people yeah. aren't um, basically what, what it comes down to is like, because like you said, it's self-perpetuating. Right. But at any point we could consciously observe that and redirect it. And yes. that's where I feel so fortunate that I became yeah. aware that it was affecting me. Yeah. Yeah. And and then you can make changes to your life, right? So, like, what do you listen to now? Um, you know, I listen to a lot of classical. I listen to a lot of rap music also. I, I like rap music because it's um, you know, it's always about sort of coming out of a struggle, right? Yeah. Or like finding your way up. Um you know, I mean, I still listen to a lot of metal from time to time. I listen to some country music. I'm pretty eclectic, eclectic, really. But, you know, I try to, again, stay away from even one specific genre too much, uh, you know, or even listening to music that much. Um, because, again, like it's um, it's all geared to make you think and feel something. And a lot of yes, country songs are about alcoholism and sadness. Well, it's interesting. You know, I, I think it, the idea came back to me is I, I think what helps me detach from music more now and why I become less and less interested in even listening to music. Um, I think that you make a good point of just maybe listening to instrumental music, if anything. But yeah. is when I was younger, I used to attach so much of my identity to what I listened yes. to. And so, you know, with all the band shirts and everything. Like, and again, mm -hmm. you know, wearing all the morbid imagery or whatever, you know, and just as I get older, my identity is sort of attached to less and less, be it horror movies, be it music of whatever kind. Um, it just, um, it loses its appeal for me in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, Again, so another lesson of magic, something that you'll learn if you're so just I want to say that my belief is that if you're sincere about learning magic for and wanting to know what it truly is and not not just I want to manifest a Ferrari. Right. If you're yeah. sincerely on the path of magic, no matter what path it is, you're going to come to the understanding that you're not just your ego and that your ego, your identity while it's important, an important part of you. And I'm not saying that it's bad. It's just it's not all of who you are. Right. You've, you've got your your sun sign, your ascendant, your moon sign. You've got your higher self, your solar consciousness, your soul is who you maybe really are. Your identity is something that's been shaped by the events in your life and something you you formed consciously, intentionally. Like, I want to be this kind of person, so I'm going to do this kind of thing. And, and it's fun, but it's it's very small in comparison to the totality of who you are. And when you have that realization, you become far less attached to it. And and whatever, for whatever reason, that's very freeing. Absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, there's a term for magic. I don't know if you've ever heard it called the yoga of the West. I think that that's yeah. so appropriate because, I mean, in a lot of ways, you're doing the work of a yogi. You start to detach from different desires, things that, you know, be, were so important to me at one time in my life. I don't think about at all anymore. Yeah. You know, it just sort of tends to fall away over time and i mean they say as you go even like things like the, the desire for food or sex or different things like that what you'll detach from it you know which sounds horrifying in a lot of ways but also incredibly well i would i would pay 
a tremendous amount of money. I would give not everything I have because I have a family, but I would give, I can't even say what I would give to be able to, and I know that I'm able to, to, to have a magic ability to detach from food. I worked as a chef for almost 20 years. It was a huge part of who I am, but like I eat poorly I, to this day. I, I've tried so many times to correct my diet and it's the hardest thing in the world for me because I fucking love food so much. I love food and I worked at some of the very best restaurants in the world. Um, I love cooking. I learned to cook in New Orleans. Like it's just, it's such a big part of my life, but I'm, all, I'm always going to be a bigger dude. And that I'm actually, and it has nothing to do with how I look, by the way, I like the way that I look, but I don't like that. Now that I recently turned 40, like this is the heaviest I've ever been in my life and it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's anything, right? Like, because when we're, when we have things that are such an attachment in our life, it will inevitably have some sort of effect on us. Right. For example, with painting, right. Um, I, you know, I used to obsess about painting. Like I could not tell you how obsessed I was with painting. I would literally spend like nine hours a day in the studio. I developed shoulder pain, chronic shoulder pain from painting so much. And it also, um, in a lot of ways, I'd say benefit me socially, but it sort of took my attention away from people, relationships. It caused problems in my relationships. You know, it, I was isolating. It's like anything, but it was also such a huge part of me and really still is. I feel less attached to it now than I did, but it's, you know, <clears throat> anything like that, it's, mm, I guess, everything in balance because when things are out of balance, there will obviously be negative repercussions, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I do believe that it's totally within my power. It's just one of those things that I don't want to do. I don't, I don't feel like I it. get that. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting here smoking cigarettes, dude. Believe me, I understand. You are, and so this is, and this is good too, because I want, I want everyone to understand that you can be out here and, and be sharing, you know, real spiritual insights doesn't mean that you're perfect by any means. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. And anybody out there who's telling you I'm this, and I've had people message me on Instagram. Like this has happened a bunch of times. Say, like the first thing they say to me is I'm enlightened. I'm an enlightened blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, you're not. Don't you, say you just shit. Gave yourself away you just, right there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like when no nobody's enlightened. Okay. And if they are, they're not, they're not on Instagram messaging people about it. Okay. I'm certainly not enlightened. I'm on the path. I love this stuff. I love sharing it with people. I think it's um, it's I mean, I I've like I said, profoundly improved my mental health. And now I need to improve my physical health. It's just the next step. Uh, that's been coming up for me a lot too. Well, especially as you get older, right? And you're also like a father. And so you start to consider how long I'm going to be around for them. And like, because before when you don't have kids or anything like that, it's like, well, who, you know, who cares? Right. But yeah. now there's like something bigger than you even, you know? Yeah. So it's like, you really have to start, you know, shit just gets real. Yeah, it does. And you have to, you have to think about that kind of thing. You can't just mm -hmm. assume that it's all going to be fine all the time. Um, we're running out of time. Fuck. Uh, so one thing I wanted to say well, back when we were talking about music, something that I that just occurred to me maybe about a year ago, and I spent this time. And, and by the way, I didn't 
other people know this. I didn't discover it. It just, it's not common information for some reason. But uh, did you ever play music? Did you play any instruments in your life? I used to be in uh, bands. Uh, I play a little guitar. I do like vocals okay. for death metal bands. I do like funny folk songs. Okay, so you'll understand this. There are 12 signs, 12 houses, seven planets. And that's classical mm -hmm. astrology. There are 12 notes in the major key. There are 12, 12 notes are in an octave. 12 keys that you can play in and seven notes to a key the our solar system astrology our system literally is music yeah that makes a lot of sense i mean it's it's different frequencies vibrations and they're all bouncing off of each other in different ways and they can go out of tune yes yeah and you can look at a person's chart and you can see where it's disharmonic and where it's harmonic right you can see like what scale is this person in, is this person a minor mode? Are they a, a major mode? Are they a, you know, uh, are they just like a pentatonic scale? It's, there's all these possibilities, just like with the music, it's endless possibility within this little set system. And that makes so much yeah. sense. And that's, right? it's, that's the thing is like, when we talk about weaving magic into everything, it's all like, how, it's already much, there. how correspond, how much more corresponding can something be? You know, yeah. I mean, I feel like if you look at anything, you will find the patterns like that. Yeah. Yeah. And some people would argue, oh, you're just those are coincidences and you're just finding patterns where they're not really there. But this pattern is there. That's the thing. There are 12 notes in a scale and an octave. Sorry, 12 notes in an octave, 12 keys, seven notes to a scale. Unless it's a pentatonic scale. I already know. Don't try to correct me. Um, but then <laughs> you have these 12 signs, 12 houses and seven planets and they work in the same way and it's like that's not a fucking coincidence it's the nature no. of reality well and that's yeah. the thing is like so with um you know how you're talking about how you wouldn't do the lbrp how you're not going to sing yeah you know that's why <laughs> yeah. i find so much power in singing or yeah. or if even not singing just like say instead of Raphael, it's you know you can do deep vibrations like that too because and if I you found put that such a repeat and I could play it in my car, I would I would sing it. But I'm not going to do it here in my basement. <laughs> Possibly no, dude, in shower, it, for me, definitely in my car. <laughs> it can it'll be like a whole opera in here for me. I'll have like candles. Yeah. I'll have a robe on. I'll be singing the whole thing. It's you know I love That's it. Awesome. I, but I love the actress. Awesome. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, it's it's just in me. Well, so okay, so here's something that Levey said that was brilliant. Right? Is that the the psychodrama is an absolutely necessary ingredient to magic and i've got you know i've got my altar here and i what i do is ritualistic but i'm a i'm a double leo and i'm extraordinarily lazy and so chaos <laughs> magic is very appealing to me <laughs> yeah yeah no absolutely um and i mean that's a psychodrama in itself because there's certain you know the images like say you sit at your altar and do whatever i mean the imagery of your altar the the candles or the incense whatever you choose to do there right yeah. i mean that is the psychodrama yeah and and you know what i'm saying um yeah i guess it's just different ways of going with different folk you know different strokes different folks but i absolutely agree with that that i think that you know the psychodrama the theatrics all that stuff is a very essential element, at least for like adding potency, because yes, I don't know. I mean, there's a reason why, for one, psychodrama is heavily involved in a lot of like forms of therapy, especially like with treating trauma and things like that. And, you know, theater 
is is old it's the one of the oldest things we do next to like music i mean and it kind of goes music is psychodrama i mean absolutely i mean yeah um the you know because like you said it's like the the notes and the words and everything it creates an image Mm -hmm. and an emotion and then sometimes how it's so easy to be emotionally affected by music it's so easy you know it's almost impossible not to be every time i listen to like I'll listen to music um, and I'll literally tear up like driving somewhere. Just like, Oh, that is just, it just hits you, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and there are a few things that I can think of that are that impactful outside of the arts in general, mm-hmm. you know, um, particularly music or, or movies, you know? So it's like theater and music. There is something just there. Yeah, there really is. And there's, you know, art, is magic and magic is art and they are inseparable and it doesn't mean any one particular kind of art or one particular kind of magic but art like magic is this ineffable thing that we love and is so important to all humans but but it's whatever you want it to be absolutely um you know i mean a lot of people you know again it's like the method actor i mean that's unconsciously invoking um the songs that you write when you want to have an impact or when you want to bring up a specific feeling with a song you write that's magic that's you know what i'm saying it's 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 inseparable yeah it is yeah all right well shit man um that was a great conversation thank you so much for being on the show i wish i didn't have to run but i've got a tarot client in five minutes hey man thank you so much for having me on i really appreciate it and it was very fun yeah yeah this is a this is a great conversation i don't know what to call it because we just kind of talked about everything yeah, we kind of went around. We'll, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, whatever. It'll be great. Um, yeah, man. Thanks again. Uh, I'll be in touch. I'll send you that video I was talking about, and and come, you know, come back and do this again. Yeah, anytime. I'd love to be on. Um, I really appreciate you, and I, I agree. I think it was a great conversation. It was really nice getting to know you, um, just through talking because i mean we've followed each other for a long time but we haven't really interacted you know yeah yeah and you know the last thing i'll say is i've watched a ton of your videos and at the end it's like i don't know shit about this guy just that i like his videos like you're very you do your tarot readings and they're really insightful and like you get a feel for who you are as a person through your your aesthetic and the way that you talk and like especially that you deeply know the tarot right but like i want to know who you are (laughs) Well, that was actually sort of part of my intention to sort of keep somewhat of a mystery because I wanted to imply that I know about these things. I'm not talking about them, but I wanted to give the impression through what I say and, you know, just how I present and everything that, okay, this person's onto something here, you know, I mean, because I think that that's, um, you know, I mean, to, to have that sort of mystery, it, it's, it's helpful for the aesthetic, for the brand and all that. So a lot, it's theater. It is. All right. Well, listen, if you watch this episode, just forget everything you just saw and go back to maintaining the mystery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to watching it and um, yeah, have a great night, man. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. All right. You too. Talk to you later, dude. Bye. Take care. <laughs>